From the boardroom to the shop floor, good business runs on good governance. Join esteemed expert in governance, Dr. Nimrod Mbene, for the next hour as he takes us beyond governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa. Welcome to Beyond Governance. Um, you know, before you get into the thick of things, uh, as we as a norm, it is important to acknowledge those that are here today. Um, I mean, I, I didn't get to pick if, if Simon Bernstein was around, but uh, uh, I certainly got to hear that Zanati and Dominic, and of course, the station manager is literally driving the seat as Tabo uh, is not available today. Thank you very much, folks, for keeping the high FM lights uh, uh, on all the time. I certainly hope that um, those who listened, who have tuned in, have certainly have food for, food for thought in terms of the programming that has been delivered over the past uh, hour or so. Um, and I certainly hope to live up to that expectations from this end. Uh, in terms of the reflections, I normally like to start the show by quickly reflecting on two things which stood out for me. We know that on Monday we had great R6 and 11 who rejoined uh, the uh, other grades uh, back to school. What has been your experience to date as a parent? Some parents, we know that they have opted uh, for some uh, for homeschooling, while others are, are literally biting the bullet by surrendering their children into the universe and, and hoping and praying that no harm will befall them. But we all know that, uh, you know, that's not an easy uh, exercise from anybody. As provision of water and appropriate sanitation remains the biggest ticket items, uh, and this, this has given the unions and parents in some instances impetus to oppose schooling under the unbearable conditions which we, we have picked up. But on a positive note, though, because there's always a silver lining on these issues, that the, the COVID-19 has literally uh, sh- uh, you know, shifted the gears in terms of uh, performance. We have noted that some schools are receiving you know, their PPEs and water and appropriate sanitations are being constructed, which, in my view, is a very positive spin or is a very positive development. But in the main, I also recognize that, uh, you know, the, the COVID-19 pandemic has also put sharp focus on the leadership and management, uh, you know, of, of uh, provincial and, uh, uh, you know, district uh, departments to, to sharp light. I mean, accountability over the past, I don't know, 100 days or so has been quite high, uh, which means there's very little room for most government officials to hide because, uh, you know, parents, uh, SGBs, government, literally everybody is literally asking questions, how are we doing? Uh, we all know that the unions obviously have uh, delayed the whole thing because they wanted, you know, schools to be reopened later on. But I really liked what uh, the Minister of, it, of uh, Health pointed out, uh, which, which is real, the fact that uh, COVID-19 is here to stay at this for a foreseeable future, which means we need to adapt and change our behaviours uh, by heeding protocols. The sooner we do that, the better, because we can all, you know, go back to school because there's no way in which we could uh, keep our kids, um, you know, at home uh, because that also creates its own dynamic. The other issue that I want to quickly reflect on, um, which which I thought it was quite interesting, is the deliberation of the Zondo Commission on Prasa. Uh, you know, the key observation for me is the fact that the, 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 the former board uh, chairperson, Dr. Popomolefe, you know, he claims to have notified the ANC about the rampant corruption at Prasa. But of course, we all know that in a context of cadre deployment, 
uh, it is expected for, you know, deployed comrades to inform political leaders on the successes, challenges, and plans to deliver on their mandate, you know, which I presume the mandate is all about pursuing better life for all. At Prasad, it's clear that these allegations of uh, rampant corruption benefited a few. Had it not benefited a few, would not have uh, uh, Prasad been put under administration. It was also interesting to hear the, you know, the, 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 the utterances by the former, you know, Prasa CEO, Lucky Montana, literally lambasting, uh, you know, the, the former chairperson, as well as the you know, Joseph uh, Zondo. But of particular interest for me is the fact that Jesse Duane said, look, uh, you know, you are quite correct, uh, you know, to, to claim that you have had engagement with the top six of the ANC. Fair enough. But the reality is that you, as the chairperson of the board, you are empowered by law to have prosecuted uh, those uh, um, executives which you thought were, you know, uh, delinquent. I mean, for me, that was like a spot-on issue because we have legislation. We've got, you know, Companies Act. We've got Enablings Act. We've got PFMA. Of course, you've got Team 4, which make provisions for the likes of Popomolefa uh, to take uh, actions against delinquent executives. In my view, if, if in the case of Prasa for that matter, uh, it's very clear that consequence management was either applied selectively or not at all. For if it was applied, the culture of or the culture of, of impunity would not have persisted to a point where the entity is literally on on its knees for it is being placed on administration. What does it say about um, you know the confidence of leadership? I contend, uh, just maybe as a wrap-up on this particular issue of observation for issues that stood up for me, is the fact that these commissions of inquiries uh, puts to light the fact that, you know, uh, those that have been put, um, you know, to, 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 or those that are, you know, defined as custodians of public assets, uh, uh, you know, should have, should, you know, are not necessarily doing what they were supposed to do. I mean, there's no, there's no, for me, there's no confusion between what should take precedent. What should take precedent at any level is the rule of law, uh, not the party politics, uh, you know, dynamics, which you've seen, uh, uh, has contributed to the demise of Prasa, ACBC, Transnet, SA. I mean, the list is on and on and on and on. Why am I raising all these issues? I mean, they bring back to tonight's conversation, which is essentially about the technical capacity to implement high-impact social projects, whether it's in energy, infrastructure, water, agriculture, manufacturing, which, which in my view, ought to unlock the economic opportunities, which will, you know, literally turn this country around. In making sense of this very complex issue, I'm joined online by Eric Stillamet, who is the CEO of London School of Business, uh, as, as well as Net Growth Investment uh, Corporation, uh, as well as uh, Justice Indaba, who is the executive at Knowledge Engas Group. Gentlemen, good evening and welcome. Uh, good evening. Good evening, uh, Dr. Dr. Hi, Justice. How are you? Hi, Eric. Thank you. Good day. Hi, hi. Yeah. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I mean, Eric, uh, last week, I, I when I started the show, I reflected uh, on the conversation that we've had with the CEO of Black Business Council, uh, Hanki. Matabani, who, amongst others, you know, reflected on the kind of uh, investment 
opportunities that are available. And not only did he mention investment opportunities or initiatives uh, spearheaded by government, private sector, and so on and so forth, I mean, which, which are readily available. And he did obviously point to the fact that government is actually doing its bit. Uh, and I echo those sentiments because I know that, I mean, back in two years ago, uh, president, uh, you know, raised close to 700 billion rands, uh, which, which fell short to his target of 1.2 trillion rands. But the biggest issue, uh, which he has raised is the fact that, uh, there is not, there is not proper management or there's not proper assessment of technical capacity that is needed to implement the project. What would your take be? Uh, based on what you had, had, had put it forward. Okay, thanks, Nimrod. Uh, the, the role of business in activating this economy and across all these projects that are being spoken, spoken about is crucial. Um, and uh, I, I think we started a conversation on um, Business for South Africa, which is a grouping of all the business organizations, including Business Unity South Africa, Black Business Council, Business Leadership South Africa, and it's being it's being led by Martin Kingston, who is is put together a team of a, a, a couple of hundred of the top private sector professionals in this country working on projects sector by sector, and working together with government and labour in a forum like NEDLAC where they meet with the president virtually every single week. Now, I don't know why they don't communicate, which is why I've suggested that uh, you possibly invite, that we invite uh, uh, spokespeople for for Business for South Africa like Martin Kingston to come and, and contribute. For, for tonight's discussion, I'm, I'm very actually excited about that because there's one thing that 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 Hunky said last week, which I just digested before the show. I thought about it, and you look at the power of this concept. He was talking about build, finance, operate, a typical kind of turnkey project approach, where the private sector's got incredible technical and management capability in this country. And whatever they're lacking in terms of engineering and uh, uh, quantity surveying or whatever, they can easily shift around because they, most of them have global networks. So that's not the issue. Why the model of build operate, a uh, finance operate is, is so powerful is because you, you, you're not then dependent on the public sector to be the delivery agent. The client is government. And I'll give you one example which you may or may not think is, is a good example to talk around, but it certainly worked, and that is the car train. You got a, 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 an independent entity. There was a bidding process, and I can't remember, Bombella Corporation won the tender, and they invested however many billion to build the car train. It was, it was like a, 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 the kind of project that we're talking about here, an infrastructure project that is needed and the, that needs to be operated properly and fine. They raised the money. They built it. They operated. The client was Gauteng Provincial Government and the Department of Transport. In the end, they're getting their money back when you pay 
the user pay principle over 20 years, which is how financing deals are done. So that kind of model, you know, it, it would be, it would be a very workable model on many projects. It could be dams, bridges, roads, ports, the kind of stuff that Cyril Ramaphosa was talking about in his 250-odd uh, uh, bankable projects that they're talking about. So I'm very optimistic, and I'd, I'd like to see how we can potentially get involved in helping to, to, to um, improve or, or to activate the confidence that comes out of that. Because they're not talking and they're not, you know, communicating very clearly to the public, consumer confidence and investment confidence and business confidence are at all-time lows. Imagine if we had to have the kind of leadership stepping up to say, this is what we are doing and this is what we're going to do through COVID and beyond COVID. So that's my opening remarks. Thank you very much, uh, um, Eric, for, for that uh, uh, rather uh, critical observation based on the conversation that transpired last week. Um, without maybe just polluting my, you know, uh, you know, the, the environment, let me just hold on and give Justice Indab a bit of a take based on, on his understanding of some of the critical, uh, you know, ingredients, so to speak, that are needed to ensure the triple P, uh, private public partnership, uh, principles or arrangements, you know, take precedent so that, you know, we unlock the potential that sits at that level so that uh, everyone on benefits. Justice Nabat, what's your take on that? Hi, Doc. Um, look, I think my take um, is that of the feeling of every South African, which is the feeling of um, real frustration um because we all know that um as 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 citizens of South Africa we've had this thing before where we talk about um you know lack of capacity or what we are talking about now the reality is that if you look at the government's main plan which is the NDP was developed in uh, initially in te- 2010 um, and then passed in 2012. The, the reality also is that their diagnostic report, which was issued in 2011, identified nine challenges, um, which are well known and which we are uh, uh, what we talk about now. But the reality <coughs> is that um, ATS down the line uh, with the plan 10 years to go because, I mean, it's, it's NDP 2030. Eight years, it has been in place. It has 10 years to go. Um, the impact of the nine challenges that the diagnostic report, report uh, identified still remain. And many of the areas are the many areas that uh, giving South Africans stress even now. So what does that mean, therefore? It probably means that we needed a, a disruption such as COVID for a rethink and recalibration. But one has to think about whether we have the right um, uh, will to 
to to to to even disrupt at triple triple P level, especially initiated by government, because the reality is that there should be a re-evaluation to say, um, you know, we might have failed in implementation. We have a disruption right now. How do we come back from that and therefore implement with speed more than okay. we've ever seen before? So okay. I just wonder whether we have sufficient will to do that. Yeah, no, no, just, I think that's a very observ- interesting observation, uh, Justice. Hold on to the thought. We're going to take a break and come back in just in a second. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back, um, you know, uh, to Beyond Governance, um, you know, for those who have just joined us, I have, I'm joined online by, you know, Eric Stillerman, who's a chief executive at, uh, uh, London School of Business Online, as well as Justice Indaba an executive at Knowledge Inga's group. Uh, we are li- literally uh, calibra- recalibrating the conversation we've had with, with uh, you know, Hanki Watawan, who is the executive at, you know, a business, at, at a Black Business Council. The issues that Justice and, and uh, Eric pointed out just before we went to the break were quite uh, thought-provoking. I mean, I, lie, I do like the old point of, you know, the initiative that is driven by, you know, Business for South, South Africa, under the, under the leadership of Martin Kenston, uh, which, which is yet another practical solution that we can employ. And Justice also made reference to a diagnostic report, which highlighted some of the biggest challenges we are experiencing from NDP point of view. But I wanted, gentlemen, for, for, for now, let's just literally focus on the practical project that we need to push. Because I would imagine the kinds of solution that this show is trying to instigate are practical approaches to big projects. Uh, and already there are pockets of excellence based on what Martin and, 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 and others have pointed forward. But how do we take these kinds of initiative forward uh, so that we can massify, if you like, the kind of, of, of solutions that we're seeing that have been quite practical and, and, and usable? While you still think about that, is an appetite because we cannot assume uh, people want this thing. You know, is there an appetite, or how do we cultivate an appetite from the end users, be it municipalities, be it entities, so that they take on these kind of of of, of ten key solutions? What's your take on that, uh, uh, Eric? Uh, thanks, Nam. Um, yeah, no, uh, I think we, my, my approach is to move forward. Uh, and, and bearing in mind that uh, we agree with justice is that let's use this crisis, uh, not let it go to waste, to, to move forward in a way that, that brings on board uh, uh, business and government and labor, a social compact, if you will, which is partly in place because of the response to COVID. Uh, the kind of leadership opportunity that Cyril um, and, and his cabinet have had to, to have some kind of a, a sense of authority and to be working together with business. I'll give you one or two examples of the kind of projects which business and government are working on, which have not been implemented and are now potentially going to move forward because they've started to deal with some of the bottlenecks. Take, for example, the release of spectrum for uh, uh, t- uh, telecommunications. Uh, there's available spectrum, uh, Hunky was saying last week, which ha- has to 
as soon as it gets allocated to the operators in the telco space, the cost of data and the cost of airtime, everything will drop dramatically. You can then massify access to the internet, bridge the digital divide, get far more e-commerce, far more e-learning. It just becomes a, a, a hugely high-impact project. What has made it get stuck up until now is the fact that government has been reluctant to put it on auction because the winners of the auction are going to be Vodacom and MTA, and it will not be inclusive, okay? Remember, these two things, inclusive and growth, are not always aligned. If you just wanted growth, you could let MTN and Vodacom bid to the highest bidder, and government would get 20, 30 billion rand into their coffers to release that spectrum. It could be done, it could have been done five years ago. Digital migration of TV sets could have been done five years ago. Why didn't government do it? They didn't really communicate that adequately because they want BEE inclusive participation. They want smaller players to come in to the equation. What has changed right now is because Spectrum was released temporarily to facilitate e-learning during lockdown. Everybody's seen the potential benefit that is that it is starting to see the benefit. So the government has this week, I think it in the last week or two, released a request for proposals or request for information, which is requesting all the operators to come in. Now, how do you build in inclusivity if MTN, Celsi, Transnet and MTN are the only major bidders who've got the money? You make BEE conditions, transformation conditions, part of the tender process where small players can't deal with it on their own. Let's be fair and realistic. It's not going to happen that all of a sudden you've got a startup operator that needs to invest 10, 20 billion rand in a network when they don't have the money, they're an SMME. But if you bring them on board in terms of partnerships with bigger business, so that's actually happening. That is actually being uh, forward. And I'll give you another Eric, before you get into yep. that, we need to switch, we need to switch on to the next link. Uh, we're going to take okay. a break. Uh, hold on to that thought. Justice, hold on to that thought. Um, I've got, you know, issues that I want to pick your, pick your brains on. Let's uh, switch to the next link. Uh, when, when we take it this break after a second. From the boardroom to the shop floor, good business runs on good governance. Join esteemed expert in governance, Dr. Nimrod Mbele, for the next hour as he takes us beyond governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa. Welcome back, uh, you know, to Beyond Governance. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Kathy, for that uh, seamless uh, transition. Um, before we went to that quick break, uh, as we're reconnecting, with, with, the, with the audience, uh, we, we were just having this interesting conversation. Uh, we, I think we parted ways when, uh, you know, Eric Stillerman was making reflection on, uh, the release of Spectrum as one critical, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, area which government could, could facilitate, uh, you know, economic growth, uh, you know, by, by opening it up. Because when you limit to one or two big players, the chances are 
you are going to stifle, you know, inclusivity because the market is obviously highly, you know, concentrated. Uh, do you want just to maybe wrap up that issue, um, Eric, before I bring in justice? I'm saying to you, there are actually two or three of the crucial sectors that have actually moved forward in the last day, uh, in the last week or two. And I'm making the point that you can't do without the big players in business. You've got to have a process where business and government are working together, which they are right now because of the, the corona crisis that we realize as a country we have to work together. Business has got capacity and it's got finance. Government has got its political policy framework. So they need to come together and they are coming together. I'm just telling you right now, there's, there's a request for proposals that has just been released where everyone in that industry will participate. You won't get away from the fact that the major players will have to be involved, otherwise no one will put up the money. But you can put in place transformation requirements as part of the request for proposal and tender process. I'll give you another example which will illustrate the point. And and then maybe perhaps we can talk about the kind of role that this show and a forum that we were speaking about last week, uh, which we were calling Ecodesa and Economic Codesa, could play in helping to activate uh, uh, implementation in, in this country in many Spheres. Another one is went against business this time. The court, the high court, I'm not sure which one, decided that business in the mining industry could not exclude communities and BEE interested parties from joining in the whole court case on the applicability of the mining charter. The mining council wanted to exclude communities who wanted to be included in the court proceedings because they are the directly affected parties in terms of making sure that the, that, that in the, with the banking charter that they get their share, their fair share of the equity and, and, and of community and labor and social development plans around the mining areas. So that was resolved. It was resolved. It was in this morning's paper. The courts, they all go through the courts and wrestle with each other. Finally, the court has decided all interested parties can join in that action. Business has to have inclusive criteria when it is moving forward with money. There's no more confusion. Business has been complaining that there's uncertainty. Now there's no more uncertainty in that. They have to be inclusive. There's no two ways about it in this country. So these are, this is the way things are going, which I think is very encouraging, should be spoken about. Thank you very much for that observation, uh, Eric. In fact, your last bit sort of answered my question. Uh, I'm not, I, I obviously don't follow, I, I'm not, I'm not exposed or preview to that kind of court ruling because what immediately did to me was raise what business has always been complaining about, which is, which is, uh, investor confidence or, or policy certainty. So I think I'm glad that yep. you've sort of responded to that uh, policy setting. But before I, I chip in, let me bring justice here. Justice, earlier on, before we took, we went to the break, you alluded to NDP limitations based on diagnostic reports. Uh, I think that's, that's a foregone conclusion. We are aware that it is a number of challenges. I want you to leverage on what Eric has put forward as a practical, 
you know, implementable and realistic uh, thought process around, you know, leveraging on, amongst others, the 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 the, the build finance in terms of the key, you know, ten key solution as well as triple P. Uh, what are the, some of the practical solutions that you uh, are aware of, or you can advise for this particular platform? For a, a manager or a business leader who's listening to the show tonight and say, well, I've never thought about that. You know, uh, this is interesting. What are your thoughts on that score and justice? Yes. Thank you. Um, doc and your listeners. Uh, maybe before I, I get into that, I just wanted to, to caution Eric, you know, um, which is where the point I'm making of, of this inertia to, to implement, because the issue that he's talking about, for instance, of spectrum, um, you know, I will tell you this process that he's talking about of the tender, the first tender that I'm aware of, of spectrum that was released was 2015, awarded. Then there were court cases. Then the, it was withdrawn. Then in 2017, re-awarded. Uh, you know, and 2018 and 2019. So it's a cycle. So the point that I'm making as well is that uh, on the practical solution, um, it's all about strategic intent. For instance, do you know that if um, COVID-19 was not a pandemic that it is, let's suppose it was a, a strategic issue that needed to be uh, implemented by government. Do you know that even by now, there would be still conferences about it, right? <laughs> now, the difference is it presented itself as a pandemic, which meant that it, 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 it imposed the emergencies to us. And as a result, government responded as a, as a, as, as a disruption to respond to. So for all of these nine points of ch- challenges that, um, the diagnostic report spoke about, which we can still go through them now. I'm arguing that you need a similar disruptive approach to the government response to COVID because in it, in the response that they demand, they put up a command structure. In the command structure, they ensured that all stakeholders are available and uh, on it, then they put together uh, the right uh, legislation to back up what they needed to respond for for COVID, which was an emergency uh, 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 legislation, a National Disaster uh, Act, and then they put together uh, the the appropriate regulations um, uh, through COCTA, which meant that everything else needed to be uh, uh, responded to urgently. What did they then do? They put resources behind uh, every effort. So. The point is, all of the other challenges that South Africa faces, the government has to realize, because unfortunately it is the government that must create a conducive environment, which means they're the one that must put together an impetus and the appropriate agency and put together the... So meaning that we don't have time to to still be talking and put to, and saying, look, um, let's approach it and so let's go back to NEDLEC and so on. We don't have time. All we need is to, 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 to respond on an agent basis. The similarly as we have done with COVID to say we have an emergent situation with the economic environment. 
we need to respond right now with the the similar manner in which we responded to to COVID. So put together a command structure for economic intervention. Put together uh, the appropriate. Um, we know we have so many legislation, but for now we need an emergency one that must uh, be put together to say we need these things to to be driven. Uh, um, uh, then put resources behind it, mobilize resources as much because with COVID, government still didn't have the resources, but what did they do? They went back to the kitty and uh, mobilized resources where budgets had been put and we uh, drew that back to the resource and say we're putting all of the monies and the resources that we had behind this effort. So in the economic sphere, we need a similar response because Without that, we're going back to um, uh, our normal way of operation and we go back to a similar, because these structures that we are talking about, whether it's NetLeg, whatever, have been there for, for, for 20 years before. And we have had not, not, in fact, we have many people that are arguing that they're outside NetLeg as we speak. So even if NetLeg gets together, we have certain groups that are, for instance, the NUMSA group and other groups that are arguing that are not part of NetLeg, and they seem to represent a, a, a big stakeholder. Therefore, we, I'm arguing that uh, whatever we've done before hasn't worked, so we need an agent situation, and that, I'm saying, it has to be similar to what we've done in responding to COVID and put those structures and resources and see that without doing this thing, uh, rally the country behind uh, this effort, because we need an urgent economic intervention, uh, th- without a doubt. Because if we don't do that, we're going back to inertia and going back to processes that are going to take another. Point taken. Point. Point. Well spoken, uh, Justice. Um, I look. I agree with you. We do need to act with uh, agency by obviously putting, you know, uh, as you are putting forward uh, the command structure that is appropriate for the economic recovery. Uh, the right legislation, uh, obviously emulating the National Disasters Act and put together the appropriate re- regulations and behind regulations mobilize uh, resources. Uh, but this is at a macro level and I concede this is at a macro level, but at the level below the macro level, at the micro level, um, yeah. you know, business, because there are already existing initiatives that are, are put together whether you look at BUSA, Business Units of South Africa, whether you look at Business Leadership SA, whether you look at Business for, 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 for uh, Business for South Africa, uh, headed by the likes of Martin Kingston. So there are already those kinds of, of, at the micro level, uh, yeah, interventions right. or initiatives. But, but um, the question is how do we leverage on those kinds of interventions with the same kind of speed, with the same kind of agency displayed? Because it is very clear, uh, and I think it's common. It's, it's, it's an open secret that we need to act with speed. At that level, how do we begin to activate these projects? That I think that's what South Africa wants to hear. So, in, in project management uh, sphere, you know that if you act too much in isolation, you're going to have just pockets that don't make an impact. So, the argument would be on a project management level. Bring together all of these small pockets together and pull them and into one big impactful resource. So what you do is you pull up because I mean, uh, Mark Kingston acting alone somewhere in the corner is not make, going to make an impact. 
He's going to work in, uh, in uh, Nimrod. Nimrod. Please, sorry to butt in there, Justice. I think you misunderstand. Uh, we're all talking the same language. There is an, I even coined the term last week in the discussion, a National Economic Command Council emerging. Justice, that's what they do. And when I say Martin Kingston, Business for South Africa is a collection of all the business organizations in this country which are working together with government. They're using whatever forums of communication. They're just not communicating it. And it goes across the country. It goes across every sector of the country. So we, we're basically saying the same thing. Ah, no, but if you take the point I'm going not. forward. Can I, can I maybe just come in there? Can I just maybe provide direction, Eric? I think you're quite correct. But you are, you know, you're introducing another interesting uh, dimension that both of, both of, in fact, all of us need to be on the same page. It is that of critical success considerations. Clearly, you've pointed out that collaboration is one of the key drivers. What else do we need to do? We have, okay, accept that in a collaboration between and amongst role players, it, it has to be there. The next level, what else do we need to put together as part of the critical success condition for the kind of economic recovery that we all want to see? I, I think that, that uh, if I may, sorry, Justice, uh, to jump the queue here. Uh, uh, I think that right now there's a communication gap. Uh, if people don't know. What I know, because I've followed in depth and I've made the inquiries and I'm watching this all the time, I've approached these people myself, okay, and, and I'll pass them on to you. We can bring them into this program um, so that we can, I think, I forwarded an invite to you, uh, 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 to, to Martin Kingston, so that they can come and tell you what business is doing across mining, manufacturing, trade, services, every sector together with government. So as part of what you call kind of critical success factors, which goes together with leadership, that is that there's communication that Cyril and his cabinet, together with the leadership of business, have a regular communication about what's happening to get through COVID and beyond COVID to stimulate growth, it's just kind of just appears that Tito Mboweni is the only one all on his own who's kind of going to rescue this economy. It's not true. You must also factor in what Tito's saying in terms of his uh, economic growth strategy. And, 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 and of course the fact that they're contesting parties within the ANC, which are not, who are not happy with that. You okay. know, so, so, so there's also one more point I think you need to know, uh, 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 we need to acknowledge. And that is that in any society, especially in our such an unequal society, there's underlying conflict which you need to deal with. And so many of the delays are because the different interest groups, the poor, the masses, the unions are contesting with government and, and, and leadership needs to not only bring them together, but help them resolve their differences. There's some very opposite, diametrically opposed, that you've got a highly socialistic uh, 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 set of, of ideologies on the one side in this country. You've got another capitalistic market-oriented. They have to find each other. You know, even in terms of the NDP, the National Development Program, when that was put together, it was put together by under Trevor Manuel's stewardship, 
and Cyril was also involved in. And then you had 10 years where no one had an, an interest in that agenda. It's one of the reasons okay. that never got implemented. Well, 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 well taken, um, Eric. Uh, so far, in terms of the critical success con- consideration, we've pointed out that you've got collaboration. You pointed out to communication gap that the fact that there's so much that it is happening, we don't have sufficient communication that informs everyone else. Thirdly, you pointed out to the fact that, um, you know, some of these initiatives, uh, brings about underlying conflicts, uh, because of, of diverse nature of the interest that, that, that sits. So we always, part of the solution there is to find what kind of uh, messaging that brings all the the, 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 the interested parties together, uh, irrespective of their ideological uh, differences. Yeah. So those are the, those are the three things that I'm picking up. Those are the three things that I'm picking up. But we've got leadership. literally, uh, sorry, Eric. Leadership. Because no. leadership can do that. When no, the leaders yeah. step up, they can do all of those things. No, leadership, obviously, it's, it's an overarching a philosophical approach which speaks about yep. so you cannot collaborate or even uh, uh, get a sense of collaboration if you don't have good leadership you cannot communicate 100%. all these issues what what cuts across all the th- three things that you've identified uh, it's about leadership so i i I, yep. I can't contest that that that's a that's seventy something that we're going to do unfortunately we're going to have to wrap up gentlemen about five more minutes uh, uh justice as we're wrapping up um What's your, what's your take based on, on, on these critical success consideration, uh, Justice? Well, clearly, uh, I think we, um, the point I was making is that if you, if you take lessons out of COVID, you would see that there was a high level of stakeholder mobilization. There was a high level of project management, um, interaction. Which means that if you look at if you look at the way that um, the command councillors run this thing with the Department of Health, info as we I speak now, information is being uploaded, and by morning it's on point, it's live, it is um, so 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 those would be critical success factors. Mobilize all stakeholders; they were mobilized in before for COVID. Mobilize them around economic uh, intervention. And then uh, run information in terms of uh, live info to to inform the public, to inform everybody else, and leave the door open for those that want to come on board. No, thank you very much, Justice, for that observation. But one thing that we have not really specifically spoken about is the technical capacity. Because the biggest challenge is the fact that most of the program, uh, as we're wrapping up, uh, so far because we don't have requisite skills and competencies. How do we navigate that big uh, elephant? Because we haven't really addressed that particular issue. In, in four minutes, as, as we wrap up. Yeah, I, I talked about it earlier. That capacity exists in the private sector. where you have private and public sector working together. You're not short of technical capacity or financing in this country. Okay, that those preconditions are there. We need to use no, them when we work together. No, no, but but uh, Eric, that that supposition is incorrect because you know you and I know that most of the uh, uh, you know initiatives that that have been started stumble because of lack of funding. So no, but that's when government when government tries to run them on their own. 
that where they run out of budget because they spend their budget either on corruption or on salaries or, or whatever. When you, when you have a proper, genuine public, private inspector, yeah, okay, I take I, I take your point. I take your point, <laughs> Justice. What what are you saying? Look, I mean, um, Eric needs to understand how government work, and also needs to understand that there is capacity within government. So it's it's it's, it's just too generic to say there isn't. The only other thing, most probably, that uh, is sufficiently uh, has a point is that more, most of these skills within government are not, um, you know, coordinated because those skills exist. Uh, there's quite a lot of specialists, doctors and, and, and so on, and technocrats within government, but they're isolated and they're within pockets of silos and so on. So, uh, 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 for instance, in health, they also existed in a similar way, but through COVID intervention, they were all rounded up. And, and, and many of them, they are working with the private sector in, and they are leading uh, even the private sector skills in terms of COVID intervention. So when you round them up, even for whatever intervention, you would find that they are there. Uh, it's well, a, that's it's a great. Of utilizing those resources. And they are, I mean, you go to Treasury, uh, technocrats that are there, the whole building is full of technocrats. It's really yeah, about mobilizing the skills and, and ensuring that there's those capacity and skills specialists and scientists. I mean, CSIR is a government entity. You go there, there are scientists that are reputable the, the world over. So it's about mobilizing those resources and ensuring that you capacitate the state because those, those agencies are there. They exist, you know, uh, agencies such as the CSIR as, 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 and so on and so forth that are full of, of technocrats. So it's about mobilizing those skills and resources that are within government. And, well said, and, and well said, justice. Put behind, yeah? well, well said, justice. Well said, justice. I think I couldn't agree with you more. Um, it's not so much about absence of skills. It's just a coordination which is missing because there are a lot of government entities uh, that has, uh, you know, solid and skills, which has not been utilized accordingly uh, because of, of years of, of maladministration that you've seen. Uh, and we've seen the exodus. Uh, one could also argue that they've seen exodus of skilled in the people from the public sector to private sector. But that's going to be another, you know, topic for another day. Uh, I think, you know, for tonight, we're going to have to wrap it up up to here. I certainly think, uh, you know, uh, the listeners have been given food for thought. Once again, Justice Indaba, Executive at Knowledge Anchors Group, thank you very much for coming through. Thanks, Doc. You're welcome indeed. And uh, let me take this opportunity to thank Eric Stillerman, the CEO of uh, London Business School, uh, London School of, uh, London School of Business Online and Net Growth uh, for sharing his uh, insight and wisdom. Uh, thank you very much, uh, um, Eric. Great to, to be continued thank indeed. You. To be continued indeed. Uh, as, as a parting shot, uh, please look after yourself. COVID-19 is, is real. Uh, we have seen the numbers are increasing. Uh, you know, if you don't look after each other, we are definitely going in a bit of a, 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 a serious, serious, serious quagmire. Uh, and well, I guess that's it. Kathy saying Nimrod wrap up. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. It has been an absolute pleasure having you. And you mean again, have a good one and good night.